Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen is continuing through the final stages of Jesus' early life. In his last week before the crucifixion, Jesus visited the temple. He had been there before, but things were not better. So once again, Jesus had to throw out the money changers. He taught an important lesson. His house is to be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. Stephen returns to the Gospels with this lesson he's called Cleaning His Father's House Again. As we continue our wisdom journey into the Passover week leading up to Jesus' death on the cross, these final acts of Jesus are anything but random or haphazard. They are deeply intentional and very important. When Jesus entered the city on what we call today Palm Sunday, he went to the temple and he looked around. Then he left with his disciples to spend the night back in Bethany, more than likely at the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Well, now it's Monday, and they're traveling back to the temple, and two events are going to take place. First, the cursing of a fig tree, and secondly, the cleansing of the temple. Now, if you compare the gospel accounts as we work through them chronologically, Matthew's account records the cleansing of the temple before the cursing of the fig tree. Mark's account reverses the order. Matthew puts the cursing of the fig tree and Jesus' explanation at the same time, but in Mark's account, there's a full day in between. Now, it's helpful to understand that Matthew condenses the narrative. And by now, you've probably realized that the Gospels don't always record everything in consecutive or chronological order. So Matthew doesn't specify a time frame for these events, but Mark does. So we're going to follow Mark's expanded account as we continue on our journey as we study these Gospels chronologically. Well, it's early Monday morning. Jesus and the Twelve are walking back to the city of Jerusalem. We're told here in Mark chapter 11 and verse 12 that Jesus is hungry. He sees a fig tree with leaves, covered with leaves, but he approaches it and finds no fruit. Verse 13 says it was not the season for figs. But Jesus says in verse 14, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the text tells us the disciples heard him say this. Now, it's not the season for figs. The text says, so this particular tree stands out for having all of these leaves early. In other words, it appears to have the promise of figs, but there aren't any. Now, we're going to come back to this fig tree a little later, but let me tell you, it's connected to what happens next in the temple. The temple should be a place of spiritual fruit a nourishing place for people to be satisfied spiritually. And it looks fruitful. There's a lot of leaves, a lot of action, a lot of motion, but it's actually barren. Now with that, verse 15, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. So he's he's literally cleaning his father's house again. Jesus did the same thing three years earlier, recorded back in John chapter 2. 
Now, we know that every adult male was required to attend Passover in Jerusalem, but but none of them could enter the temple until they had paid a temple tax. It amounted to two days' salary, so this was no small sacrifice. Now, beloved, it should have been free to get in there, but, but you can imagine with thousands upon thousands of Jewish pilgrims arriving to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem, th- this is a lot of income. What this is going to mean for the corrupt priesthood was significant. This little entrance fee alone would have brought in millions of dollars in our economy for the priesthood. Now, in addition to entrance fees, the outer court of the temple had been turned into a a marketplace would have looked like a farmhouse where sacrificial animals were sold to the worshipers. If, if pilgrims arrived, and they did, with their own animals for sacrifices, the priests would routinely find something wrong with them, some blemish or defect that disqualified them for the Passover sacrifice. So the worshipers, you know, they had no choice but to purchase a temple-sanctioned animal, and the prices were exorbitant. All of this was nothing less than extortion in the name of religion. The priests and temple authorities uh, hadn't stopped these practices, even though Jesus had cleaned them out three years earlier and warned them, well, they're back at it again. So Jesus drives all the merchants, all the money changers out again, saying here in verse 17, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. You're you're stealing from God's people. Now, the chief priests and scribes are furious with Jesus. And we're told here in verse 18 that they were seeking a way to destroy him. Okay, let's set this aside and jump ahead to the next morning. Jesus and his disciples are walking, and they're walking by that same fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before. Here in verse 21 of Mark chapter 11, Peter says, Look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Now, don't misunderstand this miracle Jesus didn't curse this tree because it was evil. He didn't destroy it because he was upset. You know, he couldn't get any breakfast from it. After all, he he could just as easily have miraculously caused this tree to produce fruit right there on the spot. What Jesus is doing here is using this fig tree, by the way, as an object lesson. It, it, it can tie back as well to him cursing a tree back in Luke chapter 13. He gave a parable of, uh, about a barren fig tree. It failed to produce fruit. And for how long? For three years. So that parable points to the nation of Israel represented by the temple. It hasn't produced any fruit of repentance. And Jesus' first cleansing of the temple Well, that was a call to national repentance and reformation. How long has it been since he cleansed the temple the first time? Three years. Well, Jesus is now back again. It's as if he's looking for fruit there in the temple, and there's no fruit. So the cursing of the fig tree points to the coming judgment upon an unrepentant, barren nation. Oh, it has the leaves of religious beauty. It had tradition. It had gold and silver. It had a gorgeous temple. But there's no genuine spiritual fruit. Listen, beloved, there's a great difference between religion and true repentance and faith. 
Now, this miracle also has some important lessons for us personally, as it did here for the disciples. Uh, This is a warning, frankly, against hypocrisy. Uh, We can look good, but still not bear genuine spiritual fruit. Uh, There's another lesson here. The temple Jesus has just cleansed was supposed to be a house of prayer, but there was no real faith there. Jesus encourages his disciples to be men of faith, and men of faith are men of prayer. And, And prayer, according to the will of God, is capable of doing mighty things that bring about spiritual fruit. So here's what Jesus is saying, beginning in verse 22. Here's the point. Have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. In other words, true faith in the power of God can accomplish great things for God. I love the principle William Carey, the great missionary leader, uh, used to live by as he would often say, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Now, don't misunderstand, beloved, this text isn't a blank check that you're going to get whatever you want out of life. There are other conditions to praying given in the New Testament. For one, we're to pray in his name. That means whenever we offer a prayer that, well, Jesus can sign his name to and he's willing to, it's according to his will, well, that prayer is going to be accomplished, even if it's moving a mountain into the sea. Now, perhaps Jesus here is implicitly condemning all the prayers taking place right now in the temple. The priests are praying all kinds of prayers, all sorts of prayers. The people are responding in prayer during this festival. But think of it. They were all praying to God while at the same time rejecting the Son of God. Oh, let me tell you, there are a lot of people today who are doing the same thing. They're praying. Uh, they're talking about their prayers. They're, they're reading prayers in church. They're, they're lighting candles and praying. But their prayers have nothing to do with honoring and obeying Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, if you don't really care about King Jesus, your prayers aren't getting past the living room ceiling or the ceiling of some church or some cathedral or temple, for that matter. Well, we're going to have to stop here. We're out of time for today, beloved. Until our next wisdom journey begins, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson, Cleaning the Father's House Again. You're listening to The Wisdom Journey. Stephen is taking you through the entire Bible on this three-year journey through all 66 books. If you're enjoying these lessons, please tell others about it and invite them to listen. That really helps. Thanks for listening today. Join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.